0: Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever or whenever you are, ladies and gentlemen. This is a special episode of Sports Crutch with D. Crom. I'm your host, David Cromwell. With an unprecedented NFL free agency period about to begin, many NFL fans wonder just how much work goes on behind the scenes in this annual process. And our special guest today is more capable than most in answering such a question. Ken Sarnoff is an NFL PA certified agent who currently resides at Young Money APAA Sports he represents several players, most notably Eagles All-Pro Office of Tackle Lane Johnson. He was very gracious to join us and discuss what to expect at free agency this year, his thoughts on the new CBA between the NFL and NFLPA, his experience in negotiating deals with NFL teams, and a lot more. So, without further ado, here is my interview with the one and only Ken Sarnoff. NFLPA certified player agent Ken Sarnoff, thank you so much for joining us, especially in this hectic, busy time.
1: Thank you for having me, David. Pleasure to be talking with you.
0: Absolutely, and Ken. Uh, in case you uh, didn't know, we are approaching the one-year anniversary of the NFLPA's ratification of the current collective bargaining agreement, and uh, it was ratified by obviously a very slim majority, thanks in part to the COVID-19. I personally was strongly opposed to it because I don't think the players got nearly enough in return for that 17th regular season game. How did most of your clients view it then, and how do you view it now?
1: Uh, I think they viewed it at the time that it was a good deal and as good as they were going to get. Uh, obviously, it was close, but I actually disagree with your take. Um, yes, they gave up the 17th game and, and all that kind of thing. However, they were in a situation and fortunate Uh, you know, especially with the pandemic about to hit and all that kind of thing. uh, The way it was kind of drawn out, it was a stars and that's it. And some of these NFL PA meetings, they talk about things like franchise tags and stuff. Well, you know how many players were franchised yesterday? Ten. Mm -hmm. The NFL is not about the stars. It's not about Aaron Rodgers and J.J. Watts. The NFL is about the middle class of the NFL, the rank and file. And for the rank and file, it was as good a deal as they were going to find. I truly believe that, um, you know. Yes, there's the 17th game; they're going to be paid for the 17th game. So, you know, yes, there's risks in playing the sport. Of course, um, we all know about that, and I'm very uh, proactive on the concussion stuff and all that kind of thing. But it was a deal that helped the rank and file and put more money in their fi- in their pockets, and they weren't going to find better. And the repercussions of not signing, I think, would have been far worse, especially hindsight being 2020 with what came with the pandemic.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I should have added for the record that uh, once the pandemic hit and I saw the stock market tumble, I was like, oh boy, the NFLPA might have no choice but to ratify this right now, even though I'm skeptical of some key parts of it, they might have no choice because the alternative could be far worse. And uh, that's exactly uh, what they did. And uh, you brought up some uh, great points indeed there, Ken. And speed of the pandemic, it was revealed today that the salary cap this year will be $182.5 million, as opposed to $198.2 million last year. And that's obviously a drop. And due to that pandemic-related drop of the salary cap, this free agency period promises to be unlike any other. Outside of a few couple dozen big name free agents, so to speak, we could see the vast majority of players on the open market as the middle classes you talked about settle for one or two year deals. If you had to make a guess, what percentage of free agents will sign one year or two year deals, and how many game changing market side deals will we see in this rather uncertain environment this year?
1: Well, I think the stars are going to be the stars. You know, we saw the Beth Prescott deal and stuff like that. Uh, they're going to get. They're going to get their. They're big money. But I think you're going to see a lot more rank-and-file guys, a lot more people who are going to be uh, slightly disappointed or more than slightly disappointed and taking one- and two-year deals, minimum deals. You're going to see big names taking minimum $1 million deals, names that you know have done productive things in this league, and they're going to be looking around and saying, how is this happening? Well, it's happening because there's a significant cap shortfall, and teams are going to be making cuts, and I think you're going to see a lot of big names, a lot of players, that uh, are expected or have gotten used to making more money and they're gonna be playing as you said on these one or two-year deals for closer to minimums
0: yes and as many nfl fans sadly do not know such news headlines that say player x signs a five-year 120 million dollar contract are blatantly misleading the way nfl contracts are constructed the overall length and total value of a deal aren't a given the only main givens are the signing bonus the amount of money fully guaranteed at signing, and the cash flow in the first three years. If you had a client who, let's say, made multiple Pro Bowls and the team's final offer set the market in the latter three metrics, but not the former two, would you be inclined to accept such an offer?
1: Uh, No. No, you would not be, especially if you mentioned it's a Pro Bowl player. But I think if you have a guy who's been to a couple of Pro Bowls, he's going to get his uh, his accurate number. You know, these teams aren't going to be backloading a deal for a guy who has two Pro Bowls under his belt. Every deal has its own unique set of challenges, of course, but uh, in my experience, anytime there's a great player, they get taken care of. It's, the harder challenges are when it's a not great player, a mediocre player, a rank-and-file player. That's where you know, you really are getting into some nitty-gritty, and you're trying to get every advantage possible, like you said, the guaranteed money up front, uh, like you know, uh, option bonuses, things like that, that would be guaranteed. Uh, and that's really what the whole... You know, stress is, and and what our challenges.
0: Yes, uh, and I definitely understand why uh, you would uh, you would say no, but uh, if uh, circumstances warranted, uh, let's sit like uh, like uh, the uh, overall like the total value might not mean much. To fans like me who know what they truly mean, but to agents like yourself, you do want players to get their fair uh, standards set with those two metrics as well as the more important ones. Is that what you're saying?
1: Absolutely. I mean, basically, you look at every deal and you could see somebody sign, you know, a you know, five year, $70 million deal, but then you could look at the numbers and be like, oh, it's really two years for 20. You know what I mean? And that's what you've got to look at the numbers. It's not necessarily how it's reported to ESPN or something like that, that you see on the ticker. Uh, That can be, you know, completely warped by an agent uh, or, you know, whomever puts it out there, but usually it's the agent uh, saying so-and-so signed for $70 million. Well, he really didn't sign for $70 million. That's what the total value of the contract is. But as we all know, uh, maybe after he'll see two years of that, and then get cut uh, and not get the rest of the three years of that deal. Or maybe that deal will be restructured a number of times, so to create more cap room. So you got to really know, as I say, the devil is in the details. And anytime you see even guaranteed money, teams can get out of. Uh, there could be, you know, is it reads on the ESPN ticker? It might say so and so signed for 70 million. But keep in mind when that is, and, and it could say like 30 million guaranteed. But keep in mind that if, if it's uh, maybe it's an injury-only guarantee, maybe uh again the devil is in the details maybe it's a guarantee that says on the third day of the league year uh two years from now but when the they cut the guy before the third day of the league year so the team can get out of it so that's as i say the devil's in the details you really got to pay close attention to what you know a player is really signing for
0: oh most definitely and uh you also also when uh you to negotiate these deals, you have to be very uh, astute at, at everything you do. And from what I've noticed by reading the backgrounds of several of your colleagues in the NFL player agent community, a lot of them have law backgrounds. How recommended is it that in order to be a agent that represents professional athletes, uh, you, have, you should have a law degree or something like that? That's
1: a good question. In the NFLPA, you have to have uh, a law degree or a graduate business degree. So I found a law degree to be very helpful, uh, personally. I'm a lawyer. Um, I would say that, you know, when you're negotiating against another team or any team, the people that they put up to negotiate against you are va- very, very accomplished people. Keep in mind, there's only 32 of these jobs. Uh, so you're going up against some guy who, uh, in a negotiation, who's Ivy League educated, who, uh, you know, is, is somebody who's incredibly bright you're not going to find many stupid people working for teams uh, and, and negotiating multimillion dollar contracts. It just doesn't happen. This is very, very complex stuff. Uh, you know, in, in terms of the contracts, especially on, on star players, they can get very, very detail oriented, very uh, complex, as I said, and the people who are writing those contracts, the people who are working on the management side, the people who are working for the teams, these are accomplished highly intelligent individuals.
0: Oh, they both certainly are, and one point of leverage those individuals might use against an agent like you is the team's cash situation, and just because a team has X amount of salary cap dollars available doesn't necessarily mean they have the money needed to pay the player, because when a guarantee is made, and this is another thing most fans don't know, it has to go through escrow, first in order to reach the player eventually. And uh, teams, uh, it's very possible, it, it, as a matter of fact, it's very likely that every year you see teams that have a lot of uh, salary cap space but not enough cash to pay uh, those guarantees. Uh, have you been at negotiations where t- a, a club would say, uh, even though we have that b- bunch of salary cap space, yet we don't have that cash to pay the guarantee your client is seeking?
1: Yeah, I have. Uh, and what they do is they... Suppose it could be like a multi-million-dollar uh, signing bonus. What they will do is they will ask, as part of a negotiation, point to defer maybe half the bonus. So maybe you sign a deal in March, and it's they'll just use ten million as a round number. They say, hey, we have to fund it. We don't have the cash flow right now, and uh, they'll say, you know, it could be sometimes a smaller market team doesn't necessarily have to be, but sometimes, uh, and they'll say, hey, when we get our season ticket revenue in, then we'll have that money and. Uh, why don't we do, you know, you'd be helping us out a great deal. For example, if we could do, uh, half now and half September 1st, you see that all the time.
0: Yes. And, uh, today we are officially 50 days away from the 2020 NFL draft. Have any prospects signed up with you or your agency? And if so, whom, and who should we be paying attention to?
1: Uh, my, I signed two players for this year's draft. Uh, the first is Oklahoma center, Creed Humphrey oh, actually Creed. heading to, uh, his, yeah, I'm actually heading to his Pro Day, uh, which is on Friday. Uh, I won't be allowed in or anything, but I'm going down to support him and see him. And uh, the other is uh, Texas Tech guard Jack Anderson. I'm really excited about both players. Uh, they were at the Senior Bowl, uh, both great guys, and uh, both very talented. So our agency, uh, my partner signed a player by the name of Christian Derisaw, who's one of the top tackles in this year's draft out of Virginia Tech. Uh, the running back out of North Carolina. Um, so we've, we've had a really nice class. We've uh, 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 Brown out of Alabama uh, and some other good players too. So excited as a firm and excited, for, you know, for, for the next 50 days.
0: Oh, those are some very, very good names, especially Christian D- Derisaw who could end up being a top 50 pick. Like in the mock draft we did on this podcast a couple weeks ago, I mocked him to the Chargers at number 13. Like in case they uh, strike out in uh, free agency in the tackle market, they could draft somebody like Derisaw at 13 overall to protect Justin Herbert. So there you go.
1: Yeah. No, yeah, he's a, he's a true talent. No question. Uh, so yeah, we're excited about our class and we're excited about, uh, as I said, uh, what the next 50 days are going to bring.
0: And, uh, we are excited here too. As a matter of fact, we look forward to bringing you more draft coverage in the weeks ahead on this podcast. And, uh, one of the elephants in the room that not just fans down in Houston care about, but NFL fans across the country care about is the current situation with Deshaun Watson and that, uh, situation, shows no signs of getting resolved anytime soon. And uh, many people have floated the idea that both sides could be dug in even past August. And uh, let's say the Texans do not trade Deshaun Watson by late August, and they remain dug in in their stance. Would you, if you were Deshaun Watson's agent, advise him to be willing to sit out the entire 2021 season? And there is precedent for it. It's the Sean Gilbert precedent. And Gilbert was able to make a lot of money from skipping a year. And uh, I don't think it could hurt Watson if he had to pull the trigger on it.
1: I mean, I don't think it would help him. Honestly, I don't. I think he needs to play. Yeah, Sean Gilbert wasn't a quarterback. That was a while ago. Uh, there's also been a lot of guys who've held out and skipped the year, and never really regained that form. Latest example being Lavian Bell. Um, I don't think that skipping a year. You know, I think back to Chicago and I think back years ago, when, when a guy by the name of uh, Todd, who was Todd Bell and, and Al Harris, I believe, missed the Super Bowl. Uh, the 85 Bears, I just think sitting out a year would be very detrimental. Not to mention, if he does sit out, he's going to get fined incredibly heavily. Um, but he is dug in, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I think it's a personal choice for what, you know, Deshaun Watson wants to do, frankly. Uh, I, I, that th- could be a situation where you advise all the pros, all the negatives. He's going to get fined in a crazy huge way. Uh, should he be missing training camp? Should he be you know, holding out, missing games, all those kinds of things? But again, that's a personal choice that he's going to have to make. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. I'll tell you this, Nick Casario, the new GM, I have a lot of respect for him, very talented in his years in New England, knows his craft very well, won't be pushed around. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that works out. Maybe he'll trade him, you know. maybe he'll get something back. But uh, as I said, Nick Casario is a, a pretty sharp guy and uh, I don't expect him just to roll over.
0: Yeah, and speaking of the sharp guys, who was the toughest uh, guy you had to negotiate against uh, so far in your career, and who was the easiest guy to take advantage of so far in your career?
1: Oh, well, I I really couldn't pick one that was the toughest. They're all tough, Uh, honestly. They're all tough. There's no one that I've taken advantage of in this career, Um, and if there was, I wouldn't even talk about it, but I really don't feel that you go into that uh, negotiation that way. I was watching today on uh, NFL Network and uh, former Patriots executive and Falcons assistant GM, Scott Pioli, was talking about that you have to go back to the table and face these people again. So you're not trying to necessarily fleece somebody. It's a working relationship, and you're trying to help each other. I look at it sometimes like, you know, rather than being like a tennis match, I look at it like best ball golf, like you're moving toward a goal. This is what I need to get something done. This is what I understand that you need. Let's try and make this thing happen so that my client is happy, so that your team is in a good place, so that we can go back together, uh, do to future deals in the future. I, I don't really look at it as, you know, hey, I'm going to take advantage of you. I'm going to crush you on this one because, again, there's going to be another player in another day, and what you want to have is a good working relationship with all the teams.
0: Oh, you both certainly do, and that brings me to an interesting question. Uh, a situation that's being monitored around the league these next several days is what the Denver Broncos, uh, who happen to be my favorite team, by the way, do with uh, Von Miller. Von is entering the last year of that mega contract he signed uh, in the summer of 2016, and uh, uh, but that was a very acrimonious uh, negotiation. Uh, the Broncos are going to decide whether to pick up his team option for this year or release him. And the acrimonious negotiation was between uh, his agent, Joby Brannion, who's a very sharp mind, and John Elway, who kind of like uh, Bill Belichick, was a guy who refused to be pushed around and refused to set the market uh, on deals, no matter how great the player was. Uh, but the fact the Broncos have a new general manager and George Payton in place, how do you think that would help the Broncos come to a potential resolution with Von Miller um, eventually if they choose to keep him for this year at least?
1: Well, first of all, I, I don't know that it was necessarily George, John Elway that was doing that deal. Uh, at the time, it was Mike Sullivan. Oh, yeah. Who was a former former agent himself who was also kind of, you know, he, he was a little more adversarial in his tactics. Uh, he could be known for that a little bit. And so that could have been. And him and Joe Berenning were fierce competitors years before. So there could have been, you know, who knows how much was going into that. Um, you know, as for George Payton, a super-struck guy, I'm happy he got the position. I think Denver's going to be in very good hands. Uh, going forward. Look, um, okay, he's got a decision to make. He has no ties to Von Miller. At the same time, George is smart enough to know that, you know, Von has been a staple in the Denver community and the Denver organization. Help was the main reason why they won Super Bowl 50. And, uh, you know, that's a, a decision that George is the new general manager. Uh, Rich Hurtado, their, uh, their negotiator, who was a former agent that used to work at CAA and was on the other side of some uh, multi-million dollar deals they're going to make that determination and that decision based on what's best best for the Denver Broncos period
0: uh, yes and uh, you mentioned uh, Richard Tato and Mike Sullivan and uh, lots of other teams have uh, tried this practice of hiring agents away from their firms to be essentially their lead contract negotiators or capologists as you call them um, w- would you say teams doing that um, are t- tend to be more smart than usual
1: I really wouldn't. Uh, a lot of people in those jobs either come, one route they could come from is being, having been an agent. Another uh, route they come from is having worked in the NFL League office. Usually these people are, uh, sometimes they could come from working from a huge power law firm. These people have uh, ties to the teams, uh, their reputations. Uh, teams vet these people, do, do a you know executive search and, and find uh, people to, uh, to negotiate. I don't think there's one necessarily a better path than another.
0: NFLPA player agent Kat Sarnoff, thank you so much once again for joining us. Before we let you go, we got one more question for you. What was the most grueling contract negotiation you went through in order to get the best possible deal for your client?
1: I would have to say Lane Johnson with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, but the Eagles have always been very proactive on uh, you know, doing Lane early, which we are grateful for. And Lane is a you know, cornerstone of their franchise. Um, But uh, they are very long, complex, detailed contracts and uh, tremendous respect for the Eagles front office. And they're very, very good at what they do. So those contracts, uh, they take a lot of effort, time, and energy, as they should with a star player. And uh, that would definitely be the most complex that I personally have ever been a part of.
0: Thank you, Ken. And that's it for this special episode of Sports Crunch. But we'll be back in just a few days with more coverage of this free agency frenzy and the 2021 NFL Draft, so stay tuned. In the meantime, wear a mask over your nose, wash your hands, social distance, stay awesome, stay safe, and when it's your turn, please get vaccinated. Thank you very much, everybody.